Hi, I'm Julia. For years, I've taught yoga, movement, and meditation, holding space for people to do their own human thing. It's probably my favorite thing to do. Now here, in this podcast, I'll share with you audio practices and meditations for you to follow along with. I'll also bring you genuine stories of vulnerability, F-ups, and failures, because let's be honest, those moments are often better for our learning and growth. I invite you to design your everyday habits, learn from your tender spots, and hear from people just like you, whose own personal practices have guided them through the tough times and right back home to themselves. So come on, let's get personal. Y'all, I have a treat for you. This conversation is a little bit long, but hang in there. We're going to talk with one of my best friends, Catherine Austin. She is a licensed clinical social worker out of Austin, Texas, and just a delight of a human being. So I hope you enjoy this convo. We do go into some heavy topics, including the death of her sister and how we balance grace and grief. And so as you move into this, I hope you have a tender, open heart and enjoy this beautiful conversation between two friends. So you'll have to send that, you'll have to send that song to me. I just did. It's (laughs) so good. For my next. Dying laughing in the car. (laughs) This is so good. All my Aquarius friends need this. (laughs) Get me on the spaceship. (laughs) Uh, all right I like it I like it already how are you I'm good I'm good thanks for being here I'm so glad thanks for having me Julia I appreciate this fun yeah so 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 super fun I was thinking today about what do I ask my friend because not everybody knows you yet so I have to pretend a little it's like, well, we spent a lot of time walking around our old neighborhood and having dinner. What do they need to know that I don't know? That's really interesting. I hadn't thought about that, but as like the role of pot, you know, if you have a podcast and you are interviewing friends, that's a, yeah. a, a interesting position you're in. Like, where do I start in terms of <clears throat> bringing some context <laughs> yeah right but, oh julia kicked my butt at 5 a.m in the morning <laughs> yeah that's how our relationship was forged through force and sweat force i forced <laughs> my friendship upon Ken. <laughs> you will like me <laughs> camp i miss it i know that was fun we, we made friends yeah. so Anywho, I think the best way to start is to sort of back up a little bit and um, you are an amazing, well-loved therapist in Austin, Texas. But I think what is always fascinating to me is how does somebody get to that point and sort of what inspired you to sort of go on that journey? Yeah. Yeah, really good question. And something that um, I think if you asked me that question five years ago, I'd have a different answer. 10 years ago, I'd have a different answer. You know, So mm-hmm. it's interesting. My parents were in town recently 
to connect with their grandbabies. And it was so good. And um, I have a two-year-old and seven-month-old. So I went for a walk on the trail with my dad and we were talking about my sister who had mm. passed in March um, of 2021. Mm-hmm. And um, there was just real clarity in that conversation about how much my relationship and understanding and witnessing of my sister has shaped the way I work as a therapist. Mm -hmm. And um, I've known that I've thought about it from time to time, but it really became very, very clear that I, I, the like unconscious connection of where the inspiration to become a therapist and and to work to learn how to care for someone and support them and facilitate healing and empowerment was very at this point in my life very clearly connected to my sister mm-hmm. um and basically wanting to be the kind of ideal therapist working with her which mm-hmm. of course as a younger sister like couldn't do shouldn't do wouldn't do <laughs> <laughs> But I'm Maybe. sure I tried and yes. failed. <laughs> Before I went in answering that question, I just think about like, okay, how did, where was I in my life when I made that choice? And it was mm-hmm. after college, I was working as a manager at Abercrombie & Fitch, which is like the antithesis of social work <laughs> on many levels as a separate podcast. But um, I very clearly realized that that is not where I am of the highest service. And um, so I'm not sure exactly what inspired it, but I kind of just wanted to do something like get outside of my comfort zone, get outside of boxes. And so I went to Spain and I taught English there for a little bit in one of those like TEFL courses. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was while I was on the plane kind of going to Spain or coming back where I really just thought about like, okay, what are the experiences that bring me the most joy? Mm. Um, and in high school I worked with, I was in, went to the Madeira school, which had a co-curriculum program. So every Wednesday you didn't go to school, you did co-curriculum. So freshman year, that was like team bonding rope exercises. <laughs> Sophomore year, it was working with the elderly or with youth. Junior year, it's working on Capitol Hill because I'm from DC. <clears throat> and then senior year, it was wherever you want to work. So sophomore year, I worked with um, an underserved uh, school in Washington, DC with um elementary and middle school and then senior year I worked at Bell Multicultural High School and kind of in like SAT prep gang intervention you know really just wherever they need you because they have like math teachers teaching English and notebooks (laughs) and like it was I mean it was a shit show it was crazy what these teachers were trying to accomplish with just such limited resources And then during college, um, in the summer, I worked at um, Camp Wakanda, which is a 
camp in upstate New York that worked with um, kids who were in homeless shelters from New York City and they would get Mm -hmm. come up in buses and go swimming and you know like see crazy forest bugs for the first time and eat so much candy Um, and those were amazing experiences they were tough and I messed up a lot and uh, had to learn a lot about like white tears and white mm-hmm. privilege before I even knew what that was. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm not proclaiming that I did it well by any means, but, but it was really fulfilling. Mm-hmm. And so thinking about like, what is that type of work? Like if you're going to go get education around it, what is that? And it just seemed like that was social work. Yeah. Um, and then through the social work program and working in some agencies, I realized like I am the worst case manager. I was mm. terrible because I just wanted to talk to people how they felt. <laughs> yeah. And I wouldn't fill out any paperwork and I was not helping them. Like they'd get yeah. to the end of our session where I'm supposed to have the paperwork done to help get them rent and food and like employment opportunities and mm. they might have felt emotionally a little bit better. But- <laughs> They weren't getting what they came to get. And that was on me. So yeah, I realized like, well, okay, check. That's not, I'm not of the highest service there. So therapy then became the like, I I think what I want to do really is talk to them about how they feel. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's therapy. <laughs> I'm sure there's people listening that are either embarking upon a big journey like that or they might be saying to themselves oh I could I could never do that or they see people who are successful and maybe think that they were successful right off the start so I think it's helpful to hear <laughs> that it's that's not how it works so that's helpful that's that's uh maybe put a little balm on their tender heart so <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, and now I relate this more to like kind of my own spiritual path, but yeah, I'm sure someone, you know, very wise said this, that this is, a, aren't my words, but you know, it could have been Jesus or something, but <laughs> Muhammad, whoever, Buddha, um, that like, sometimes the best way to know the path is by getting off of it. Mm. Mm. You know? And we yeah. kind of have this sense that whatever journey we're on, whether it's employment or relationships or our own personal growth that like if we're doing it right it should just be like linear and logical and we go one step and then we take the next and if we meet like an old wound or we do the same mistake we've done before then like the world's falling apart Mm -hmm. and I mean that certainly hasn't been my experience. And I very much feel like I am engaged in self-development and growth and career development. And there's lots of mistakes along the way, lots of steps off the path that then you're like, ah, yeah, no, this is not right for me. Yeah. Got it. The thing I kind of was taking for granted or unconscious of, or I don't know, not thrilled with whatever, like that's way better. And now I Mm. have appreciation for it Mm, yeah when you have those like sidesteps what what's your process such a good question Julia I just really have a sense of like wanting to sit with that a little bit because 
gosh, it's such an important question. And, you know, like they say, and kind of your, your personal development, spiritual development, like the questions are often so much more important than the answer. So I almost mm. just have a sense of not even wanting to like touch that question with <laughs> whatever, like little answer I could give but this is like a conversation and that's what we're supposed to do. So, (laughs) but make no, any listeners like that question that Julia just asked, sit with it and ask that to yourself and find your Mm -hmm. own wisdom and then maybe give it back to me because I'd love (laughs) to hear it too. (laughs) Um, The question is when you find yourself like off the path or taking a sidestep, what is your process in that moment? And okay, grace comes to mind Mm. and for me right now in studying grace it it my understanding of it or the way that I'm practicing it is a balance between compassion and accountability Mm -hmm. so when we find ourselves making a sidestep or mistake it's so easy for negative ego to come in and just bully us. Mm. Like say, I can't believe you're here again, or what are you doing? Or this means we're never going to be successful. Whatever like fun bully language your negative ego has mm-hmm. or here. <laughs> and so coming back to what you had said earlier, kind of like a bomb on the heart compassion is that balm on the heart that we give ourselves that says you are here and like let's just start with some like acceptance and love Mm. like let's slow down it's okay like you're Mm. not in danger you may be hurting emotionally Mm. psychologically spiritually but like that's okay discomfort and hurt is a part of life and it can be really valuable information so let's like Use some self-compassion to to bomb that heart and soothe the nervous system and get like a little grounded, kind of tend to ourself a little bit. And then from that space, bowing to our heart and tending, we can then pick up our heads and begin to engage in a little bit of like accountability. Mm. Like, okay, like, definitely know that didn't feel good whatever that was so so let me understand how I created it or how I allowed it not because it's hadn't been impacted by other people or circumstances or phenomenon of life but I don't really have any control over those things and Mm -hmm. I know I don't want to stay here So in order to move forward, it helps to like understand how I facilitated myself getting here. And then from that place, trusting that I have the resources to move forward Mm. and whether that's internal resources or the resources encouraged to ask for support Mm. Um, and then, you know, make a plan and take it one breath at a time and, and one step at a time and without as much as possible it's so much easier to say than do but like letting go of expectations and attachment to exactly how you think you're supposed to get from where you are back to where you want to be just kind of set your sail in that direction and trust that 
with daily action and attention, you'll be moving there. Mm. Mm. Yeah. You know, sometimes when I do these interviews or similar, I can like, you know, you can just like sit and maybe hear someone say, well, what about, what about, and the thing that came up for me was, you know, you talked about resources and you talked about things outside of your control. Um, but you also brought up, you know, the loss of your sister, which was completely outside of your control. Mm. And yet you have these personal practices of compassion and accountability. And so how do, how do you model that when it is something that's just completely outside of yourself? You know, what is, what does that look like when the unexpected unthinkable happens? what do you do? What does that kind of process look like when it's real, when it really is like tragedy or unthinkable? Um, and certainly with my sister, it was, I mean, she started kind of going to the doctor in July of 2020, checking out things. She was told, you know, by the like leading oncologist in the DC mm-hmm. area who had a lot of clout, she was told that it wasn't cancer. Um, Mm. And because he said that when she went to other doctors, they wouldn't investigate cancer. (sighs) Um, So just a really important reminder that like even doctors can make mistakes. Of course. Yeah. But, but I, some, I think sometimes it's easier to forget that, that they're not perfect. They're obviously incredibly intelligent and hopefully very dedicated to what they do, but they're not perfect. Nobody is. So because she didn't, you know, who knows what will happen, but they didn't investigate that further. So like January of 2021, she was finally diagnosed with cancer. And at that point it was like completely Mm. throughout her body and Mm. she died like two months later. Wow. That's Um, so fast. So fast. I mean, she was in the hospice still wondering if she should get second opinions because it was just it was so fast so it was it was really intense I've also never seen someone physically in as much pain as I Mm -hmm. saw her like eyes rolling in the back of her head um so that was my that's the only experience I've had with someone in excruciating pain um And so during that week that I was home in DC with my family, when she was in hospice, which she was there for maybe like five days or something, she passed. Um, You know, the craziest thing, I, I guess this is really does feel like grace is I had my son with me Mm. and at the time he was like maybe eight months old or something. So okay. Know, Little a baby. A baby. Um, and so I'd kind of get up with him in the morning. My mom and I would connect and then one or both of us would go to hospice at first. And then the other one would kind of meet up and we'd like tag team looking after him and then being at hospice with her And so like when you're in that, when you're face to face with that level of like tragedy and what you were saying, like completely out of your control, the, the visceral response is you just want to shut down. You want to close your heart. 
you want to create, you know, bring your body into a position of, of kind of protection. And when you're with an eight month old, <laughs> the exact opposite. Yeah. You are, your heart, like a care bear is like beaming and you are in the presence of this pure joy, this like mm. abundant life source that isn't polluted, you know, yeah. with like pain or tragedy or, or much of a personality, you know, like at eight <laughs> months, it's just, you're just pretty fantastic. Yeah. Everything's pretty him. good. <laughs> so it was like, I would go to hospice and everything in my body would want to shut down. But then when I was with my son, everything would open up and I like had enough awareness to really notice this. Yeah. And so it forced me to just, I remember the experience Julia was like cracking my chest open, Mm. Mm. but like literally it was, it was that, um, intense feeling that like in order to resist or push through the, the desire unconscious and conscious to like shut in around my my sister's pain, I had to crack it, Mm. like crack it open. Like the, the visualization of taking my rib cage and truly cracking it open to keep my heart Mm. open the whole time. And this like extraordinarily miraculous thing happened when I did that, that like with my chest and my heart open, I saw and felt and experienced the truth that like our heart, our soul, our body, our insert, whatever language resonates with you we have the capacity to feel it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That like side by side, right next to like overwhelming joy and gratitude and playfulness with my eight month old son, I could experience the excruciating like sadness or anger or fear mm. related to my sister's dying. And that like with an open heart, there was room for both of them to be side by mm. side. Yeah. Which isn't the experience when you shut in. There's no, no. room for anything. It's There's smaller. room for like nov- numbness or like anger, maybe fear, but it's very singular. So it was just an extraordinary experience that feels like such a gift that like my son and my sisters, mm. you know, kind of spirits and souls were like, in tandem to teach me. Yeah. Uh, I love that. Thank you for sharing. That's so hard and so big. Yeah. No, it feels, you know, these are the things that like when we have these powerful moments that, you know, become like lessons for ourselves. there's the point is to share them. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, otherwise you're just kind of hoarding it for yourself. Like I believe that was part of the legacy that Marika left me to help me be a better therapist or friend or mom or woman in the world. And so I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity to 
share that yeah. on this podcast with you. Thank you. Yeah. Did it how? I'm sure it did in every way, but what what changed the most in how you're serving people since that experience? Well, I think a very like the first thing that pops to my mind, which maybe is not like and all the real meat and potatoes of it, but is certainly the most obvious is I, I'm definitely able to work with grief differently. Yeah. You know, having had my own, like we had talked before a little bit, like whenever you are in a position where you are trying to facilitate like care or healing or support for someone, there's some specific places that really feel like the level of like empathy and support and understanding you're able Mm -hmm. to offer is it isn't as deep until you have your own yeah. version of that or experience yeah. of that. And so I have worked with clients around grief a ton. I've, you know, been a therapist for 10 plus years, but I'm probably more than anything, I'm so much more comfortable with it myself mm-hmm. having experience. So I can just sit in it with people yeah. while they rage or numb out or do whatever they you know they're doing to care for themselves and if they want suggestions or support I'm there to offer it otherwise it it's not overwhelming to my nervous system Mm. and and maybe before it it probably was whether I was aware of it or not yeah yeah you know you you and I have spoken about that a little bit and it's I agree with you it's not like you can't get excellent care from somebody who hasn't gone through exactly what you've gone through. Um, but there is just so much gray that we don't see until something profound has happened to us. And then all of a sudden every response becomes absolutely, you know, I think that that's the biggest thing for me is when I've gone through tremendous experiences that have rocked my world. And then I see someone in something that mirrors that, perhaps a response that I used to maybe scratch my head at. I'm just sort of like, Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. That makes sense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Sure. Of course you would respond that way. Of course. Yeah. I like that word choice, Julia, like, absolutely. Because it's a very like open accepting like meeting someone word. And then like, I'm, I'm sure as you practice, I know for myself too, like, the nuance work there is like to not take your experience and use it as a lens from which to view someone else's experience. Yeah. Right. Because then like you can project things without meaning to. Well, I mean, and I'm not, I'm not a therapist. And so that I think is something I really love about the work that you do and what I think is the hallmark of good supportive care in that realm. It really is the ability to say, I'm seeing you and I'm sitting in my own confidence that I'm seeing you as you should be seen. And I'm also not making your experience about me, you know, and that's, it's a tough line to walk. And I think that that's a brave choice, especially when you're one-to-one, I typically work with people in large groups, you know, and we're kind of having collective experience, but the intimacy of that one-to-one experience is so deep. And having a good check on your own projections is so essential. 
<laughs> so essential. <laughs> and 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 probably, you know, the sense that like probably the, the highest truth is like there's no way I'm not projecting something. Yes. So the humility of like I'm I'm more than willing to check in with my clients of like how yeah. did that feel when mm-hmm. I said that or when I shared that or when I asked that. Did that resonate with you? Did that not? Mm-hmm. You know, what's going on there? And I I really believe that like therapy is about relational healing and mm-hmm. that like so many of our wounds are created in relationships. And so it makes sense that some amount of the healing journey is like wonderful when it's done in relationship, whether that's yeah. in like a group space or one-on-one, th- those lots of different ways of being or you and a higher power that's relationship but so the importance in this place of kind of nuance of like using your experiences to inform the way you work but not filter the way you work is like Mm. humble yourself to know like you're gonna step off the path and when you do meet yourself with grace (laughs) (laughs) and come back (laughs) and come back and take accountability with your client when you say something that doesn't resonate or that feels like that was about or your partner or your colleague (laughs) all those things Yep, everyone or that you ever interact or with. Your sibling or your mom. Oh <laughs> my goodness. Oh my goodness. I'm sure your personal practice, especially with two little ones um at home and both of them being pandemic babies, um <laughs> has really looks different um than it did back in our neighborhood in Austin. But what is your what's your daily ritual like now and what is it doing for you and what does that look like yeah so for sure that like my practice in motherhood looks different Mm -hmm. than maidenhood and it makes me so grateful that I had awesome practices Mm -hmm. in maidenhood that were like long and structured and like for me I got so much out of them that there's a sense now that some of that like amount of kind of structure and discipline continues to hold me Mm. even as I find myself continuing to like find the footing of this new ground that is motherhood you know Mm. with two um and like you said I mean two babies during a pandemic like back to back Mm -hmm. um choices choices my choices <laughs> accountability 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 and I'm not playing the victim if there is just truth that that's an intense experience I decided ah. to create myself <laughs> um, and so now I don't think I have the same amount I definitely don't have the same amount of like consistency yeah um but I would say generally in some form or fashion, I have daily practices around um, meditation, breath work, um, movement, and then like ritual or prayer. Mm. And and again, they don't look as like a lot of the times the breath works during my commute. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And it is great. 
the car is a fantastic, you have to breathe anyways. So <laughs> might as well do it there. This is great. Like I've got, I live out in Spicewood. I commute into Austin because I've got an office downtown. So I've got like a half an hour, 40 minute commute for like rocking out to some great music or listening to an audiobook. Right now, Dan Siegel, Whole Brain Child is amazing. I'm mm-hmm. not getting the kickback from that. Parents, just read it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then, so I breathe in the car and that's just like, that's a beautiful little container Yeah. Um, for that. And then, yeah, some amount of like prayer, which can be reading. Um, I know we've talked about John O'Donohue mm-hmm. is an incredible author, Irish philosopher, poet, mm. I think pastor who has a book that's literally on my altar right now called to bless the space between. Mm. And it is a series of blessings that are pretty secular. I, I think maybe sometimes he references like a little bit of source, but they're pretty, I think he probably sees God as like nature around yeah. him. Um, so to open that book and just read ideally out loud because there's something really beautiful that happens when your vocal cords create vibration in the world but you can do it within yourself too just reading one of those um that's prayer that's ritual that's meditation Mm. and then for me the like my gateway (laughs) my gateway drug into spirituality (laughs) so (laughs) i my day's better when I do yoga. It's yeah. it's like undeniable. So yeah. I've got kind of a, with this past new moon, I set an intention to do it at least five times a week. Nice. Um, and I'm good. I'm two for two. I've done two days so far. It's on Sunday. Um, yes. And I, if I can do yoga outside, that's like the creme de la creme. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. That's actually one of the reasons why I, when I was thinking about this podcast and my other videos that I've done is uh, so many people are like, I just want to be able to close my eyes and listen, you know, and being deliberate on how I deliver has that has changed for me just knowing that there's so many people like you that it's like you know what I really want is just pop my headphones in or just have a little speaker and not have to try too hard to like listen or understand and so just like the simplicity just coming back coming back to like if it's too hard to do we won't do it right but if you can just unroll your mat be outside do some sun salutes you know whatever simple chef's kiss it's so nice to be at a place where I've got some years under my belt of mm-hmm. this practice, probably like 10, um, yeah. where I now, oh, I just feel so grateful for the support of like, I sometimes really am craving that structure of a yeah. class that either is a YouTube video or ideally, you know, in a studio because there's just something so magical that happens in that sacred space. But like, going in and having someone lead you and having their energy and having their expertise and wisdom like that's so wonderful. And like uh, yesterday I wanted that. I wanted to practice where I'm following someone's wisdom and and their thoughtfulness around sequencing the, the class and, 
And then today the sense was like, it was cold outside Julia yes, this morning. I know it was amazing. Oh, this is like a big deal in Texas. It's a huge I'm deal like, in Texas. So big. And I'm talking like legit cold, like 55 degrees when I beautiful. did it was you know, beautiful. yoga outside. So I was like in my sweater, I had some sandalwood incense and mm-hmm. I started a video on my phone and then like, so quickly have the sense of like, I want to intuitively move through this. Like I want to follow the wisdom of my body and my soul and my spirit on this beautiful autumn morning. So knowing that there's like wisdom and fruit in both. Yes. Yesterday was that one, but today it was just all about like, yeah, me moving and I was getting in my hips mm. and I was doing a lot of warriors, which is like yeah. not my favorite pose. All like, right. So interesting. Get but it. Like, my body was like, <laughs> we're moving into warriors. And I was like, really? Okay. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> but I think there was, you know, and so to have that too, like ha- have a little bit, I guess it just takes a certain amount of like familiarity or kind of comfort with yeah, the practice to then, of course you know, and, and I'm sure the practice wasn't, I'm not going to say it wasn't beautiful. Cause I know it was, it actually was beautiful. Mm-hmm. It was beautiful. I felt beautiful. I felt graceful and uh, like, <clears throat> it was beautiful. It was extraordinary. It was 25 minutes being outside while my daughter took her morning nap and the sun and the autumn air and my body's intuition just took up space and moved and breathed and it was heavenly Mm, I love that you know something that you do so well is and I attribute it to just great self-esteem and a lot of work (laughs) um is you do a really good job kind of oscillating between your compassionate self and accountable self. And I know that's because you attribute yourself with the higher self. And these are just sort of players within the realms. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that because you articulate it so well, and that might be a foreign concept, especially if someone out there is like, not sure how to tap into intuition or trusting their intuition. Maybe that could be of service we're forever students, right? So um, I am in a place, a rhythm right now, which like by the grace of God or, you know, Gaia or whoever's working with me, through me, like for me, um, I I feel pretty connected to my intuition. And that certainly is not the case for, Mm. I would say, I mean, I would say the majority of my life, I don't know. I think kids are probably pretty in touch with intuition before they even know what that is, but. Before we mess it up. <laughs> yeah, 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 before. Um, so, um, and we're actually, I'm, I'm in the midst of writing a little bit of an online course about it. So it's kind of top Perfect. of mind, like, cause it's important. How do we connect to intuition? And some of the practices, at least that I'm doing right now, um, 
<laughs> and I'm just feeling it. So for me, when I'm connected to my higher self, my crown chakra like buzzes. Ooh, I know that sounds get a little so woo. That sounds like I know having not been a person who was like spiritual, like I grew up in academic, like elite DC, you know, my dad's a judge, my mom's an ecologist. I don't know if either one of them believe in God. Like I, you know, like this is I still kind of find myself and like <laughs> myself that I'm like saying these things. So I just want to make that known. Like I didn't come out of the womb like, yes, my third eye, you know? <laughs> <laughs> or maybe I did and I forgot. I don't know. But <laughs> like that is definitely a place that when I'm connected to my higher self or some higher power, the top of my head like tingles a little bit. And it's so cool. It's such like a nice, you know, not mental mm -hmm. strategy of like connecting to intuition. It's like a very just sensory, visceral thing. And okay, well, you know, coming back to intuition, I, I mean, there's so many things. I know your brain's probably say. exploding right now. It's exploded okay. a little bit. <laughs> there's no wrong answer. It's not a test. No, well. It, I mean, it, and it's exploding because there's so many beautiful practices. And so, mm -hmm. you know, I hope to many of the people that are listening, like you will share the ones that are working for you because there's yeah. so many. And one of the things that we don't give ourselves permission to do is like really evolve and change. And mm -hmm. that means the things that worked for you last year might not work for you anymore. Mm -hmm. Good. You're growing. Like. Yes you're not dying, like you're growing and you need something new. So, so it's really good to have like a big library of possible practices. Yes. Um, and to be around very wise people who have many to give you. Um, mm -hmm. but the first thing that came to my mind and coming back to your question of like, how do you honor intuition? The first thing that came to my mind wasn't cognitive because it, it didn't take effort. It just like popped into my mind. So I'm going to honor that is um a mirror practice Ooh, tell me more <laughs> um and maybe like people are already doing this or have heard of it it's like a very or it's used a lot I guess it's maybe used a lot in my world of like kind of therapy and spirituality or blending and mixing mm -hmm, in mm -hmm. lovely ways I don't know exactly where <laughs> but um every morning and again, morning is ideal, but if you miss the morning, just do it later or skip a day and come back to it when you remember a, a good time to do it because most of us brush our teeth in the morning and most of us do that in the bathroom. And when we're in the bathroom, there's a mirror often. So try and make it easy mm -hmm. as you're brushing your teeth or before or after you're brushing your teeth, when you're in the bathroom, look in the mirror I would, I mean, five minutes can kind of be edgy for people, but that's like a beautiful goal. And I trust everyone's capacity to be warriors. And so like warrior up for yourself, put a timer on your phone for five minutes and look at yourself in the mirror mm. and find things, search for things that you appreciate, admire love care about and that that can be physical 
you know, you can look and say like, you know, I haven't really noticed, but like, I like the way my nose looks, Mm -hmm. you know, if that's sincere to you, great. The, the key is sincerity. So don't lie your mind and your heart and your body know that you're Mm -hmm. lying and, and maybe the practice starts with you setting that timer and looking and feeling the frustration of not being able to find anything. Okay. Mm. That's okay. Then mm. like sit face to face with your frustration, right? And maybe as you're looking at yourself, kind of crinkle your forehead or, you know, for some people, this is really intense and you may cry. Mm. you know it's a it's kind of a novel thing to see yourself cry and maybe perchance if as you witness the sadness kind of well up into your eyes and fall in in tears that then kind of graze your cheeks maybe there'll be just like the slightest hint of you know, some self-compassion that, that mm. bubbles up just for a moment. And, and that's medicine. Mm-hmm. Really hard to be compassionate for others in the world when you can't give it to yourself. So whatever your experience is with this practice, if you stick to it, because it you may want to just run and say like, get it. It, It's edgy. It's hard, but you're a warrior and you'll get something out of it. Mm. Um, You'll learn something about yourself or you'll feel what it's like to start the day with a little bit of self-compassion and, and some grace and some self-love. We often want like the world to give that to us. But when we ask ourselves the question, are we giving it to ourselves? Yeah. Many of us find like the answer to be no. So yeah. Give yourself what you want from the world. I love that. Thanks, friend. All right. Tell tell everybody how to learn more about you and where they can find you. But yeah, if you're interested in connecting with me or finding more out, I've got a website, just therapybycatherine.com. Like super boring, but very efficient. It's good for um, SEO. Easy yeah, to find. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm just in the process of redoing it, making it a little bit better. So if you nice. go and look and it's the old one, to wait, there's some good stuff coming. I'm, I'm elevating slowly, but surely. <laughs> um. And then also I've tried to, I've begun to make my Instagram account also open to clients and stuff. Cause it, I think the importance of like authenticity, like I am deeply connected to the truth of like what it means to be an ethical practice means doing this yourself. Yes. Yeah. And so I think it's unethical to sit with clients in any capacity and not be doing the things you're recommending to them. And part of my opening kind of my Instagram account is to like show that to say yeah. here are the, the practices I'm doing for the new moon and this is why it's helpful to me and um so I like that feels like a way of like connecting to people too so on Instagram I'm revived reverence 
um, which is kind of a, a hope of mine to be working on reviving reverence within my own life and, mm. and helping others connect to that. Uh, so those are the big things. And then I'm blasting out a new exciting business Yay. on New Year's Eve called Clarity Vale with some extraordinary team members. And so that's to come, but Yay. Yeah, I'm excited so for excited. you. You have so many good things in the works. So, all right, my friend, you are so generous with your time. So big thanks, big hugs. Yes. Thank you yes. so much, Julia. And, and love and gratitude to everyone who took the time for mm-hmm. themselves to listen and, and to be inspired or to yeah. learn or to grow. Um, mm. yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Oh my goodness, you're still here? (laughs) Thank you so much. All right, since you are still here, head over to juliamarielopez.com and you'll find my blog, other free goodies, and a list to my schedule if you want to practice together. See you there.